0: Well good morning everybody. Uh, Thank you for being here on this December 31st morning and for your prayers on my behalf this past week as I prepared to speak here today. It's hard to believe that another year has passed. Tomorrow we'll be celebrating New Year's Day 2024 and you've heard the slogan the older you get the more time flies by quicker and it's flying by pretty fast for me right now so for many people, bringing in a new year's means an opportunity to set new goals and resolutions. However, if the truth be known, most of these new goals are very similar to the year before because last year's resolutions were never achieved. In fact, studies show that 55% of the people keep their resolution for less than one year, 11% only last six months, 14% only last three months, and 19% only last one month. I looked up what are the top three resolutions. They were exercising more, losing weight, and saving money. Where are some of the others? Pursue career ambitions, taking up a new hobby, spending less time on social media, spending more time with family, home remodeling projects, and the list goes on and on. So what about you? Any new or old resolutions on your mind for 2024? As I thought through what might be the subject matter for today's message, a thought, a simple thought came to me. Almost a generation ago, when the computer revolution had just begun, the pioneers in the field coined a brand new word. I remember hearing the word for the very first time in a college computer class using an IBM mainframe computer, which was a huge machine filling up an entire room. As computer science stu- students, we were tasked to input the data using these old keypunch machines, typing in the program code using the language of a COBOL. You've probably never heard of COBOL. That was the, the thing. Now, most of you are not probably old enough to remember, but back in 1974, my instructor made a point of one word that he wanted us to remember. And I've never forgot it. It's G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. And that's the huge truth about computers. What you put in is what you get out. In other words, if your input is garbage, guess what your output will be? Garbage. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but probably thought of it. The human mind has often been compared to a computer. Although realistically, the human mind is far more complex than the most advanced computer system ever designed. However, the basic principle of GIGO is still true. Garbage in, garbage out. In other words, what you put in your mind determines what you will get out. Let me elaborate a bit further. So do you know that the average person has 10,000 separate thoughts each day? That works out to about 3.5 million per year. Even this morning, before you arrived here at church, you've had approximately 2,000 thoughts. And before you hit the bed tonight, another 8,000 will come through your mind. Tomorrow morning, you'll start the whole process over again. As I consider this exact moment in time, right here, right now, it's see it's 10:48. If I could stop time for just one second and freeze the thoughts that each one of you have in your minds, and then I could instantly flash them on the screen, it would be amazing to see what each of you are thinking. Might be thinking, "What is my neighbor?" thinking right next to me. You'd see it right there. Let me give you another illustration. Suppose I gave each one of you $10,000 here this morning and said spend it any way you'd like as long as you spend it all before you go to bed tonight. I would envision every single one of you, including myself, would be very careful as you think through how you would spend your money. Yet how sad that we would all devote so much thinking time preoccupied in how we would spend the 10000 and yet could it be that every day that goes by we spend lots and lots of wasted time in thoughts that are totally unprofitable especially as we consider the spiritual things that should surely be the most important. So what are you thinking right now? Today's message is about your thought life. And of course, what goes into your thinking. In other words, how do you control this mindset of yours? It's a message that I may be speaking to each of you, but it's really for me. The speaker for controlling my thought is, my thought life is something I really want to improve on. But the question and why dove into this subject, is how do I do it? As I studied, this is what God really impressed upon my heart. I'm holding up something that hopefully all of you know what this is. This is a water filter. It filters out the bad from the good. And this particular filter filters the bad stuff out of my drinking water so that I can drink it. This is an oil filter. I had this oil filter on my car so that it filters out the bad stuff out of my oil and my car will run longer. And of course, this filter. <laughs> this filters the air in my house so that I breathe easier. So what is, it, what is the filter that keeps the bad stuff out of my thought life? And leaves only the good stuff to think on. You already know it's the Bible. Our evil world is spiraling downward quickly, for what was once ungodly and wrong is now seemingly considered good and right. Sadly, even as Christians, we can have tendencies to compromise in these areas. That's why we need God's word as our filter for righteous living. So with that long introduction, I titled today's message, Filtering Your Thought Life. So let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for what you taught me through these verses here in Philippians. And I pray, Lord, that I will be truthful and be able to share in a way that not only people understand, but the words honor you. Lord, that's really my heart's desire as I stand up here. I pray, Lord, that um, you would help us to not only understand the text, but be able to really apply it in our own lives. So thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So as Michael read earlier, we're going to be in Philippians 4. I'm going to focus primarily on verses 4 through 9. So let's read verses 4 through 7 as we begin. (coughs) Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which paths us all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I called this first filter a mindset of Peace. If we were to read the entire book of Philippians here this morning, we would find it is filled with exhortations by the Apostle Paul to the saints of Philippi about having a godly mindset. A quick review. In chapter 1, he talks about a mindset that desires to magnify Christ in all their affairs. Philippians 1.27, Only let your conversation or conduct be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2 He encourages the brethren to have a servant mindset like Christ. Philippians 2 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men moving on to chapter 3 he exhorts a mindset that presses toward the prize of the high calling of god 13 through 15 brethren i count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before i press toward the mark for the high calling of god in jesus christ jesus Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Then we arrive here in chapter 4. Listen to what he exhorts them as to their mindset here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your moderation or graciousness be known unto all men. Be careful or anxious for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God these are all excellent things to think upon it could be sermons each one of them by themselves but today I want to pay particular attention to verse 7 for we find the explanation in this verse as to why Paul exhorts the believers to this mindset and what is this it is so they will have a mindset of peace and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The result of rejoicing in the Lord at all times, even during those turbulent trials, in being gracious to all men, even when we selfishly don't want to, in not being anxious, even when the pressures are mounting all around us, and in, bring everything, and in bringing everything to God in prayer with thanksgiving, This is the filter of truth from God's word that brings a true mindset of peace. What is the peace of God? The Bible actually describes three great aspects of a peace that relate to God. First, a peace from God. Paul continually used this as an introduction to his letters. It reminds us that our peace comes to us as a gift from God. Secondly, peace with God. This describes a relationship that we enter into with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, the peace of God. This is the peace spoken of here in verse 7. It is beyond all understanding. And what does that mean, which passes all understanding? It means it's beyond our ability to understand and to explain. Therefore, it must be experienced. Most scholars say, and to which I agree, this peace doesn't surpass, doesn't surpass the understanding of a worldly man. It surpasses all understanding. Even the godly man cannot comprehend this peace as he experiences it. It is just overwhelming. Verse 7 concludes that this peace will guard or keep our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Certainly a heart or mind that is unguarded will wallow in fear and anxiety as the stress mounts Anxiety increases, yet one who trusts in God and casts his or her cares on him shall have this peace that passes all understanding. If you are a believer in Christ, I'm sure every single one of you have had situations in your own life where you have experienced this mindset of peace. Here is one that I read recently, and I'll share. It's titled, Unknown Circumstances. I was four weeks away from graduating from college. While most seniors were living up their last days of freedom before beginning a full-time job, I was facing the hardest decision of my life so far. Internships, interviews, and job offers had collided in the best and worst of ways. And I had one week to make a decision that would affect the trajectory of my life. I felt sick, stuck, stressed. Certain I would somehow make the wrong decision and ruin my future career, but through it all, God refined my heart and revealed more of Himself to me. As I wrestled with the decision and even more on how it would be perceived to others, He began to offer this peace in its truest form. Peace overshadowed making the right or wrong decision and gave me the confidence to rest in Him. God was both kindly teaching me how to discern and grab hold of peace and giving me a grace in the process. He was showing me what faith and uncertainty look like. While I can feel impossible to to find peace, while it is impossible at times to find peace when we're in the middle of chaos, the papers, the applications, the deadlines, the schedules, the commitments, and even the relationships It's in those moments that we must rest in the truth that there is one who already took on all our burdens and anxieties and stressors so we could live in harmony with ourselves and with God. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you that that in me you may have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So when the stress creeps in and anxiety begins to stir softly in your soul, When there seems to be disunity and friction in your life, when this broken and fallen world shows its true unpleasant colors, remember that peace is ours because of Christ, completely unexplainable, but totally attainable, a peace that passes all understanding and guards our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Unquote. If you're not a believer, you cannot experience this peace. And I often wonder how people go through difficult trials at times and don't have this peace. I will tell you personally uh, this past week was probably one of the most stressful I've ever had in my seven years of life. And it's interesting how God times it. I, I thought of this message weeks ago and yet it's this week that this peace that passes all understanding was flooding my soul as this was upon me. I'm so thankful that God has saved me and I can experience this peace. It's a marvelous gift. It's, It's just something that I don't know how I would endure in this life without this peace that passes all understanding. Moving on to verse 8. Let me read this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. I called this second filter a mindset of Meditation. No doubt, if I were to ask people on the street to define meditation, there would be varying responses. For some, meditation is sitting in a certain position and clearing one's mind for relaxation. Others believe it is a spiritual discipline of focusing on a key word or image for an extended period of time. Still others think of meditation as emptying oneself of all thought and emotions. The Bible, however, presents a different definition of meditation one in which your mind is focused solely on the word of God and what it reveals about him. Joshua was commanded to meditate on God's law day and night in order to have godly success in his endeavors. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Joshua 1.8 David speaks of his love for and subsequent meditation on the law. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalms 119.97. The Bible also mentions people meditating on what God's Word reveals about God himself, his works, his deeds, his promises, and his unfailing love. So meditation is defined in the Bible in the simplest of terms involves a pondering of God's Word and a deep reflection upon its truths. So here in Philippians 4, verse 8, we are given seven specific things to meditate or think upon and note as this verse begins the word finally which can be rendered in this connection my bible says in the footnotes whereas verses 6 and 7 tell us how to obtain God's peace verses 8 and 9 are connected with this by telling us how to keep God's peace in essence in order to keep God's peace the readers must meditate in their minds the right things So what are these things? Let me go through this list briefly. First, is it true? Whatsoever things are true. Since we are fallen creatures, we are so prone to Satan's lies and deceptions, and we are seeing that like never before in our world today, where a truth has become a lie, and a lie has become the truth. It's imperative as children of God that we resist the culture of our day, which concludes... Whatever works, whatever works for me, whatever brings me happiness, it must be true. That is such a falsehood. And how do we know it is? Because God's word, as our filter, tells us that the truth does not change over time or cultures. John 17:17, 17, 17, sanctify them or set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Certainly as Christians, we must hold to the truth even when there is this pressing temptation to depart from it. No matter what, even persecution, we must hold the standard of telling and living the truth very high. Which brings me to number two. Is it honest? Is it noble? The word is translated honorable or worthy of reverence. Meaning, are you meditating on things that are honorable and noble and of a serious purpose? Practically speaking, it's like what I asked at the beginning of the message, if people could see my thoughts, what I was thinking, would they be honoring and worthy before the Lord? I can't emphasize enough the importance of honesty in this world of dishonesty we live in. It used to be 40 years ago when I started my job, if I told someone something and they acknowledge it, it was It was binding. Or if I shook hands with somebody and said, okay, it's a deal. It was binding, but but not anymore. Uh, people um, basically aren't honest. So you have mounds and mounds of legal paperwork just to keep things honest. That's why when it says here, is it honest, it is so important. I remember several years ago, I Perceived that uh, a lady was stealing from her company. So I uh, called her in and her supervisor, and I began asking her questions. She began lying from the very start. It, it reminded me of the phrase <coughs> digging your hole deeper and deeper. And this was so appropriate because as I asked her a question, Whatever you lie, whenever you're not honest, then you have to start lying every single response. And that's what happened here. Deeper and deeper she went until finally, she was buried. She was way overhead, and she didn't have any more responses. She couldn't lie. And she said, "I did it. OK, I did it." Colossians 3.9 says lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Especially you children honesty. You have to be honest. When your parents ask you something don't lie. We have to be and we have to realize that in the world we live in that is one way that we can stand out as Christians. Not only in our thinking, but also in our actions. Thirdly, is it just? Is it right? In other words, is it right in God's eyes? Not whether it's right in your own eyes or in the eyes of others. Again, knowing what God's word says is a key to filtering and meditating on the right thoughts. We are to model our behavior after the holy nature of Christ, who is our great example Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Fourthly, is it pure? The word here means undefiled, chaste, clean, holy. It touches the whole area of moral purity. But much more than that, all sins that contaminate your thought life are impure. It could be anger. could be selfishness. could be greed, pride, discontentment, on and on. A well-known phrase that some have said over the years states it directly, bluntly, and to the point. Let's get your mind out of the gutter. It's so harsh, and yet it's so true. So the question becomes, is your thought life clean? Is it pure? Psalm 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word, the filter. Fifthly, is it lovely? This word only occurs here in the New Testament and means pleasing, agreeable, and attractive. Again, if people could see your thoughts, would they say, oh, oh, how Lovely. Or would they say instead, I I can't believe he's thinking that. Sadly, the case is that often our thoughts are not pleasing because we think poorly of another person. Even a fellow believer who we rub shoulders with on a weekly basis. We can judge, we can blame, criticize, condemn. We can even gossip all about an action that we are personally offended by. Yet is that lovely? Is that pleasing to the Lord? What about First Peter 4, 8? And above all things have fervent charity or love among yourselves. For love shall cover the multitude of sins. Which takes me right into number 6. Is it a good report? This goes hand in hand with is it lovely? For the two words good report are easily defined in terms like this, speak well of others. 1 Peter 3 8 and 9. Finally, be ye of all one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, tender hearted, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. And then lastly, notice that after this list of six items, Paul changes the sentence structure by beginning the last two exhortations with the word if, which is really a summation of the previous six here in this verse plus anything else Paul might have omitted. If there be any virtue, moral excellence, that's how that's defined. If there be any praise, defined as that which is praiseworthy to God and praiseworthy in people. What he is saying here is in essence your mindset must be one that reflects the qualities that stem from God and not on your sinful self. And then this wonderful conclusion think think or meditate on these things that come from God. No doubt there is a constant battle going on in your mind but we must filter out the evil thoughts and instead strengthen the moral integrity of our thought life. How can we do that? The only solution is being immersed in the Bible. One commentator said, We do not think on the Bible to make us feel good. We think on the Bible to modify our behavior, and we think on the Bible to promote godly behavior in ourselves. Are you in God's Word? As the saying goes, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Which leads me to verse 9. So let me read that. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. I called this final filter a mindset of obedience. The question is often asked by Christians, how do I know God's will for my life? Or how do I know God's will for this decision I'm trying to make? Certainly one way in which we discern God's will is sensing a peace of God in our hearts. And that comes as a result of what we see here in verse 9. We learn and receive and hear and do or obey. We find these things from the teachings of Christ as found in his holy word, along with the teachings of inspired men like Paul's recorded here in Philippians. If we're to be a follower of Christ, then we must know what Christ desires. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Being that follower means being obedient to his word and filtering out the negative things for our minds. If you get nothing else out of this message, Remember this, God's word is a key to filtering your thought life. If you're not in God's word I don't know how you would know truth from falsehood. So remember G-I-G-O garbage in, garbage out, it all begins with input. We must analyze the input going into our minds. If you put garbage in garbage is what you will certainly get out. So as we close today, a few final questions for you to consider, especially as the input. What about the things you watch? That input. Negative? Or is it godly? What about the things you listen to? Positive? Positive? Negative? What about the things you read? Would God be pleased? What about the places you visit? Your testimony to others? What about the conversations you have? Are you edifying others or are you tearing them down? What are you thinking? Years ago a suggestion was made to me and I believe... It was a good one when it comes to resisting these negative thoughts that constantly bombard our minds. The instruction was not only to resist but to replace. If you've got a void let's replace it. To not only cast cast down and out the negative but replace these thoughts with the positives as we've seen here instructed in God's word. What are we to think on? Think on these things. as 1st or 2nd Corinthians 10.5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. May all of us have a mindset of peace, a mindset of meditation, and a mindset of obedience as we filter through these thousands of thoughts we'll have for 2024. So Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us minds minds that can go two directions those things that please you or those things that please ourselves Lord thank you for giving us your holy word that instruct us and keep our minds pure that filter out those things that we know are wrong I just pray Lord that you would Use us in this upcoming year as testimonies and that we be those testimonies that would honor you in everything we think and everything we do. Just pray this in Christ's name. Amen.